on Friday night, I went to Bible study with Alex. And he told us all, Christianity is objective and historical. It's not just a matter of feelings and, and believing things. Yes, there is feelings and God has feelings. He created us with feelings, sadness and joy. But Christianity is a historical faith based on objective historical events. And today is perhaps one of the most extraordinary days in the whole history of humankind. There is overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we believe all sorts of other things, as Imogen says, science believes all sorts of things because you uh, research. But there is overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I can testify to it. So could Edna. So could the lady living in the house in Berwick who heard Ed, well, who heard Jesus tell her to give ten pounds to Edna's mother's sister? I mean, there is overwhelming evidence that Jesus is alive. You know, when Edna came on the 9th of April, here's this young student minister asking someone for the first time in the congregation to share a testimony. And, uh, you know, I got up the courage to ask this old lady to come and she gives her testimony and then she dies in front of us. Who's going to do the next testimony? (laughs) (laughs) Who's next? (laughs) It was extraordinarily traumatic. But God was in this. God was in it to impress upon a young minister and his family and the church something so important. We all live lives in this world and how long we live for, none of us knows. Today could be your last. God has appointed our time. I drove around in a car in, in India with my dear friend Alex and my wife Kerry. I had just preached in Baroda. I had been terribly ill the night before preaching, right Alex? (laughs) Eating Indian food, including a cleansing drink that I should never have touched because it utterly cleansed me. (laughs) And then I had to preach twice the next morning. I asked the pastor, where's the toilet? He said, a hundred metres away. I prayed and I didn't have to use it. In the second message I gave, God said, I want you to preach a different message. I want you to preach on Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire. Oh. So I preached about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And the Lord said, you know, the Bible tells us that the world is going to be consumed with fire. That's pretty frightening in a sense. And I think there are a lot of people in the world feeling it. Global warming is definitely going to happen. And it's going to happen big time, much bigger than just uh, what's happening now. Because God has said, this is what's going to happen, consumed with fire. And I brought to the congregation 
the challenge, how will you survive the fire? Well, there are three men who can tell you how to survive the fire. You need Jesus. (laughs) You see, he was with them in that fire and not even a hair of their heads was singed. Their clothing wasn't even burnt in fire that killed men who threw threw them in. Little did I know I would get into a car with my friend and my wife and face a most furious fire that we had never faced before. Driving at 90 to 100 kilometres an hour down a freeway with a hired driver who went quite crazy. Our friend Alex is trying to slow him down in front. Trying to get between a car and the median strip of the freeway with not enough room, banged into the median strip came and knocked the car, flipped twice, did a double somersault in the air, the front wheel snapped off, we're sitting in the back, after preaching this message, friends, I'm in the fire. We land on the roof of the car and slide down the freeway, thinking this is the end when we're up there. We got out of the car, upside down, looked at each other, And not a hair of our heads was singed and not even injured. And Kerry and I stood by the freeway and sang. We just worshipped God. How would he change my message to be that message just before I get into a car for that experience? Who is this God? Jesus is alive. He's alive. But you see, the great question people ask is, is it really true? Because if he is alive, if he did rise from the dead, it changes everything about life. If it's historical that a man crucified on a cross, laid in a tomb, rose from the dead, if that is actually true, that changes you completely. Do you know there's a... Uh, American uh, American journalist whose wife came to know Jesus and this journalist got so upset because his wife changed she was believing in a, in a God his name is Lee Strobel and he tried to disprove the resurrection. He went all over the world. In the end, finding the evidence that was there, he was totally convinced Jesus rose from the dead. But this battle of belief, this battle of faith, is for all of us. That's why I want you to go and see... Uh, his only son, the story of Abraham's life. It is a beautiful depiction of what faith really is like. It's not just a, an easy road of just hanging on to something God tells you. It's, it's tough in this world because there is a devil here. There is evil here. There are forces of darkness trying to wipe out faith. And these forces can be very powerful. You know, here we read this morning, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, 
two men are traveling on the road to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're walking away from Jerusalem. These two men are talking with each other. And what are they talking about? They're talking about what happened. Uh, Thank you, Alison. I did have some pictures there, didn't I? Maybe you can do that for me. Here are these two men talking about what had happened. Luke tells us, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I just wonder how often our eyes are closed to recognize Jesus with us. These men had Jesus right with them, but they didn't recognize him. They needed something to happen to their eyes. Now, obviously, not just physical eyes, but the, God, the Bible talks about the eyes of our hearts. And God is the one who opens the eyes of our hearts to spiritual things. Well, these men were walking along and Jesus says to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? We're told a few, then they looked, stood still looking very sad. (sighs) Sad. (sighs) Do you ever feel like that? Do you feel, do you feel like, uh, Life's not worth living. Do you feel just so overwhelmed, sad? Circumstances of life around you are just so dark and gloomy. Well, don't, don't, don't be ashamed. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> it's the human experience. They are looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you you the only one who doesn't realize how sad things are? He's the only one who realizes how joyful it is. He's the only one who really knows what has happened. Oh, we're so like this in our lives. We are so constrained by what we see, but by science. Yes, I agree. Imogen, thank you so much. That was a beautiful presentation of the balance between science and God. God created science. He made everything and he gives us wonderful abilities. And those wonderful Christian men like Einstein and others were inspired by God to discover things that he had created. But we are so ruled by what we see with our eyes, what we feel with our hands, what we can, what we, we're so ruled by these things, we're captured by the events of the world around us. You know, what's going on in the world and global warming and all the other things are ruling our thinking. And we get so down and discouraged, we hear of people being shot in Tennessee and, oh, this is terrible, you know. Transgender people coming into school and shooting three, six Christians. Friends, sadly, this is going to be what happens. 
because there is a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. It is a reality and everyone who seeks to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but you don't have to fear because Jesus rose from the dead. (laughs) Whatever they do to you, (laughs) they can't separate you from your (laughs) saviour. Edna will tell you. (laughs) They can't separate you from your saviour. You know, it tells us in the Bible that the fear of death is one of the most powerful weapons used to control us. To stop us speaking up about something that we know we should be speaking up because of what might happen to us. The fear of death, the fear of... It controls us, but there is no need to fear. Jesus is walking with these guys. They're full of fear. They're full of sadness. They're full of sorrow because they don't realize what has actually taken place. Jesus is alive from the dead. He's actually here this morning. Haven't you felt him? His love, as Imogen shared, haven't you felt his love touching your heart? He's here. He loves everyone. He loved these two men. Listen to what he says to them. Are you the only one who doesn't know what has happened in Jerusalem? I think Jesus is bursting. He's just conquered death, sin, Satan and everything. He's absolutely bursting with excitement. And these guys are sad. (laughs) He's he's holding it in. (laughs) Because he loves them and he doesn't want to condemn them and make them feel crushed in their unbelief. Yes, he wants to lift them out of their unbelief. He said to them, what things? What things have happened? They said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You see, are you hoping that God will somehow fix the world's problems? Are you hoping that God is going to change this world and make it paradise? No, he said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he prayed for his disciples, Father, keep them from the evil one. They are in the world. I'm coming to you. They are in the world. (laughs) These men thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans and fix the political problems of their day. No, he didn't come to do that. He came to die for our sins. He came to bring us into a relationship with the Heavenly Father who we could pray to at seven years old and he would answer our prayers. We thought that he had come to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women, women like Imogen, you know, of our company amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early in the morning and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels and said he was alive. And Jesus is going, and did you believe them? 
No, they were women, we wouldn't believe them. I mean, they, they brought the report. He's alive. No, can't be true. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. I mean, how convincing is this argument? But him they did not see. And Jesus says to them, Oh, foolish ones. Do you know the greatest foolishness in life is pride? The greatest foolishness in life is pride. The Bible tells us that God wars, wars, the word it says resists, actually it's wars against the proud. When you think you know, be careful. God wars against the proud, but gives grace to the humble, to the childlike, to the seven-year-old little girl who heard her aunt share with her about Jesus, saw her mum's problem and just took hold of it and prayed to Jesus. The childlike. What was the passage that we read in Matthew's Gospel? It's one of my favourite texts in the whole New Testament. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry in Matthew eleven twenty five, and he says this, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Such was your gracious will and that was always the will of God he will not reveal magnificent things to you of his kingdom and his glory and his power in your pride you have to be humbled somehow he may use suffering he may use tragedy he may use the death of your grandmother but he has to humble you because he can't show you his glory in your pride. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know, we have overwhelming evidence of the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before, said a virgin will conceive and bear a son. You'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then he talks in, in Isaiah 53 about the suffering of this, 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 this child. he bear our sins. It's overwhelming. God has prepared for the sending of Jesus so magnificently that we could be convinced that it's true. But pride causes us to reject God. No, God has chosen to reveal these things to the humble, the childlike, the simply trusting ones who read his word 
I love the story of my friend who's now a minister in the church who uh, was a, uh, a manager at venture stores. They were a bit like uh, Target. And uh, he was a go-getter in this world. He wanted to make lots of money and rise to the top. And he was doing all sorts of things uh, uh, less than honestly. A young woman came to work with him. She was a Christian. She loved the Lord Jesus. He asked her to do something that wasn't absolutely honest. She, she refused. He put great pressure on her. She refused. She came to work one day and presented him with a Bible. A Bible? What am I going to do with that? He took it home and threw it in the bottom of his wardrobe. Went on with his work and things didn't work out so well. One day he was back home. He was a bit down and discouraged. He thought, oh, bite on. He picked it out of the wardrobe and started reading from Genesis. He sat on the floor. He read for hours. And by the end of reading it, he was convinced there was a God. And he came to know Jesus Christ. He had stood up at university on a chair... In a, in a Christian gathering, he had stood up on this chair with his arm in the air and he'd said, well, if there's a God, let him strike me down. I'll stand here for a minute and if he doesn't strike me down, see there's no God. This is the same man. Just think of the pride of that. He stood there and God didn't strike him down. He got down and he said, there's no God. Now he's reading the Bible in his home on the floor and he's reading it. And he's convinced there's a God. And he realizes the mercy of God who could have struck him down. He goes back to work. He talks to this girl and marries her. <laughs> and they've got seven children. And she's coming to be one of the speakers at our Flourish Gathering later this year. You see, if you would only read God's word that he has given to us, that contains all the evidence that you need. And here are these men who'd had the prophets and they'd had all of the provision. So what does Jesus do? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And as they were drawing near to Emmaus, he was going to go further. But, you know, these men were so stirred by the, the words of Jesus. Their hearts were burning inside them when he was talking. They didn't want him to leave. They constrained him to stay with them. And he stayed. He went in. He was at table with them. He took bread and he blessed and broke it. And gave it to them. And they realized it was Jesus. They'd met the risen Jesus on the road to... And he disappeared. Uh, um, what? He just disappeared? What realm are we living in? What realm are we living in? This man who rose from the dead just disappeared? And then appears again, and in a locked room later on, his disciples are gathered, and he appears in the room. How did he get in? <laughs> Where is Edna? 
She's in heaven. Paul says, if for this life only we hoped in Christ, we are all men most to be pitied. Friends, if you're not living for heaven, you're actually not living for Jesus. Heaven is our destination. Heaven is our home. What did Edna say when she came in? I love those words. I feel I've come home today. This is my home. Jesus said, it certainly is. And when Jesus disappeared, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Wasn't there something going on inside your heart? I would say to you this morning, if there is something going on inside your heart, You need to respond. God is seeking to reach out to you that you might know him and love. He loves you so much. Well, these men did respond. It was dark. It was night. And Jerusalem was seven miles away. And the road between any town and any town at night was extremely dangerous. But they didn't care about that. Jesus was alive from the dead. If the robbers kill me, well, I'm going to heaven anyway. (laughs) They were going back to Jerusalem full steam. They were running at full pace. They wanted to tell their friends, we've met Jesus alive from the dead. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread and as they were talking about these things Jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace to you Jesus is alive today he's waiting for you to come to him in that passage in Matthew 11 where he says the father has hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed it to little children and then he says come to me all of you who labor and are heavy laden i'll give you rest come to me come to jesus he's alive today there are many stories i had accounts of people who met jesus saul on the road to damascus how did he get converted you know, this is just a short while after Jesus has ascended into heaven. Saul, this persecutor of the church, this opponent of the message of the gospel, is arrested on the road to Damascus by a voice and a person who appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? When Saul thought he was persecuting people, he was persecuting Jesus because Christ lives in us by the Spirit. Well, there's evidence of Jesus being alive. Or what about Augustine of Hippo? This man who was living a sexually immoral life and heard a child singing a song. Pick it up and read it. Pick it up and read it. And got hold of the Bible and took hold of it and was absolutely arrested. It says there on reading the scriptures, he felt as if his heart were flooded with light. 
Friends, if you're not reading this precious book, I just encourage you today, please open it. Please read it. Ask God to speak to you through it. He will. Augustine became a great leader of the church. Or Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley. You know, they're religiously minded, but went to the house of John Bray in London and heard the gospel shared. The good news of what Jesus had done for him on the cross. And on the 21st of May, 1738, he met Jesus. And he wrote that beautiful hymn, Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Well, what about Nicky Cruz? You've heard the story of the gang member in New York City who grew up in a witchcraft family horribly treated as a child in tormenting circumstances wanting to commit suicide he joined a gang in New York City and became its leader it was murderous and David Wilkerson felt called of the spirit to go to New York and share the good news of Jesus with these gang children young people and Nicky Cruz came to a meeting he was going to disturb and cause trouble in And Jesus came among the people and arrested his heart and he broke down in tears and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Became a great evangelist and led many souls to the Lord Jesus. Jesus is alive. What about Edna? Edna met Jesus when she was a little girl of seven. She encountered him powerfully working. And she never forgot, did she? She never forgot what Jesus did for her when she was seven years old. And she wanted to share it. Well, Jesus is alive today and he's calling you. He's calling me. There are troubles coming to this world, friends. Big troubles. Jesus has told us they're going to happen. But if you have Jesus... As we had him in a car in India, he will keep you safe. He will look after you. He will care for you. He will provide for all your needs. And if you face some financial crisis, and I dare say some of us, and maybe all of us, are going to face it soon, remember what Edna said. Remember what she did. Remember who is going to provide for your needs. Not the world out there, not your employer. But the King of Heaven, who rose from the dead on this day, and we celebrate this day, for death has been defeated by Jesus Christ, and everyone who puts their trust in Him, like Edna, will be with Him in Heaven forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us worship God.